Thank you for coming on the show, Jaysha. Um, happy to have you on the Healthy Indian podcast. Um, really, re- really found you to be interesting because I know you're an ABC News anchor plus you're Gujarati as well. So it's kind of cool to see those two things going together. So that's what attracted me to your profile. And the fact that you're a news personality and you're very, uh, you know, just you're putting yourself out there makes you like very strong. And I think a lot of people can look up to that. So that's why, like, you know, I wanted to kind of interview you and also introduce you as to the, you know, to my audience. Um, For starters, like, how did you become such a news personality? And how do you, um, you know, what's your story? Let's get that started. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, My story is very weird uh to make it really long story short so growing up i always got talks too much on my report card i was really good at memorizing lines i did theater like anything where i could be on stage where i could be with people that was my jam growing up and a lot of people were like oh pajation theater so my parents put me in a theater program outside of school and then um, one day my dad was online and saw this thing for a backstage tour And you basically get to come to L.A. and tour all the Hollywood studios. And then you do a monologue in front of a group of people. And I was seven or eight at that time. And my dad was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, heck, yeah, like I want to go to Hollywood. And um, I just I loved media. I love the entertainment industry. I just like was fascinated with that. So we went. And at the end of the tour, I did my monologue. And little did I know it was a room full of agents and managers. So that's where my first manager was interested in me. And that's how I became a child actor. And he basically told my dad, you know, very straightforward, if this is something Jay Show wants to do, there's no other place you can do it besides LA. So my dad talked to my mom about it and they sat me down when I was eight and people thought my dad was crazy. And they were like, is this what you want to do in life? And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. They're like, okay, we're going to go to LA and we're going to test this out. And my mom stayed home and held down the liquor store and everything on her own. Uh And my dad and I drove our car all the way to California and a couple months turned into almost five years. I went to school here. I started booking things. I went to acting class. I absolutely loved it. And my mom would visit once or twice a year. So there was a lot of sacrifice for my career growing up. And when the recession hit, my mom was like, I can't, you know, do this on my own anymore. Can you guys come back? So we came back. I was still acting. Uh, You know, my dad would drive me two hours away for my auditions. We'd fly back and forth for callbacks. And then eventually my dad was like, hey, why don't you finish off high school? And if this is something that you want to do, we will fully support you. All we ask is that you go to college for acting. Um, We just want you to go to school. So I was like, okay, that's a good deal. And so when I went into high school, my school had a broadcast TV program. And I originally just went into the program thinking, this is the closest thing I'm going to get to acting, so let me do it. And I completely fell in love with the world of journalism. And I learned how to report and edit and use cameras and do everything behind the scenes in the control room. And I was also volunteering a lot at the time. So I really fell in love with meeting new people, with helping people. I was traveling abroad to different countries. And I even did like my high school documentary um, on my trip to Peru when I was volunteering out there. 
And so I was like, you know, this really makes a difference in the communities that you're serving, because that's what it is, right? Reporting is serving the community, reporting on the stories that matter in your community. So I decided to switch paths since my passions kind of changed and I went to school for journalism. So it's kind of my full story. <laughs> that's awesome. And would you say you were in your natural element, like when you found out like this is what you wanted to do? Because sometimes it just clicks. So like you just feel like, oh, this is like what is totally me. And it's not something that um, what my upbringing wants me to be almost like the people around me. It's almost like this is like what I'm meant to do. So did you feel like this is what you're meant to like with podcasting? I feel like this is something I'm always been. I've always been the person that loves to ask questions to people. And I'm very curious. So like this is what I feel like I should have been doing a while back. But I'm finding myself now. So like when you. Um, I guess auditioned in high school. Did you feel like that was like your natural element? I really didn't see myself doing anything else. You know, I think people are kind of like, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to do this or that. But I never saw myself in those in those careers, um, talking, meeting people, uh, telling stories. That was that's always been my passion. And luckily for me, and I think my situation is very different from a lot of Indian people's or Asian, you know, people's situation. My right. parents were very supportive, supportive of a non-traditional career, right? I mean, there were times where my mom was like, hey, like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, be, you know, go being a nurse or something would be a lot more stable. But she never was like, stop, don't do this, you know? So I think my position was also very different where my parents sacrificed so much for my career. And, you know, I remember my dad saying this when I was younger, he was like, you can do whatever you want with your life. This is your life. Whatever you do, just be good at it. Work your hardest, you know? And that always stuck with me as I grew up. So I always was like, give 110% to everything that I did. So I didn't see myself doing anything other than being in media. Right. Yeah. Sometimes like you, when you give your 110% or, you know, you're having fun with something, you're giving you 110% without realizing it, Right. So like, is there something that I guess uh, I'm trying to ask is like, is there something you wish you've known before you started your career? Like, this is how it works or anything like that, like when it comes to just acting or just kind of because, you know, being also a TV news reporter, it's the way you speak, right? I found that very fascinating the way you guys like, keep yourself always like informative. And it's really like, the public can really absorb what you say. How do you do that? Like, I always wondered, like, how do you you know, articulate yourself like that. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. That's kind of tough. Um, I always just think of it as a conversation with someone, right? Like, I think people overthink it when I'm talking to a friend and how would I tell that story? It, it's the same way with reporting. Um, and so when I tell a story, especially something that's like really complicated with numbers and, you know, there's a lot going on that or politics, politics can get confusing, right? How could I, for lack of a better term, kind of dumb this down, make it digestible for not only myself to understand, because if I don't understand it, I can't report it, right? Like if I don't understand it, how is anyone else going to understand it? So I think exactly. it's just really just having a conversation. It's not as, um, scary, I think, as a lot of people think it is. Yes, you do have to articulate yourself, and I think it just takes practice. And I think acting really helps me with that because I was talking so much. I did a lot when I was younger, like not on top of the acting classes. I was like a child stand-up comedian. It's like really embarrassing. It's on YouTube, but I did like 20-something shows growing up. And just being on stage and talking to people and kind of getting over stage fright, things like that really helped me in my career now. So I think it's just practice and just thinking of it as a conversation with someone. How would I tell this story to just my friend, my parent, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
I think it's awesome because I feel like a lot of people in America definitely have stage fright. Mm-hmm. So that's why I asked you that because I think it's not, it, it, it definitely is easy, easy to see, but probably hard to do. And like you said, it's not, if it's not digestible by yourself, then how are other people around you or just the media supposed to digest it? Right. So yeah. one of those things. Also, I know that you were on the episode of the office. Um, <laughs> Like, tell me about that. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, told me about it. So I'll tell you about it after. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I heard you were on the episode of Office. So how was that experience? Because that's pretty cool, too. So I remember auditioning. And it's so funny because, you know, with the casting call was for an Indian girl um, for the yeah. Office. I was like, I was really young. I, I, I was watching Disney Channel. Like, Office was not a show that I was watching at like 11 or 12 years old. And I remember my dad, I literally can picture this in my head. My dad and I walked into the audition room and it was filled with people of like all different ethnicities, like literally everyone came out and my dad and I looked at each other and we just laughed and we're like, there's no (laughs) shot. I'm getting this audition. The room was packed. So I was like, all right, I had to speak Hindi. I already struggle. I understand Gujarati, but I can't even speak Gujarati. Like I was fluent and then I forgot it as I was growing up because I didn't speak it enough. But they wanted me to say this line in Hindi, which is a line that I say in the office, which is Zach Braff Kupasan Kartihe. And I didn't know it at the time. My dad, I kid you not, five seconds before I went into the newsroom was like, called my mom, was like, how would we say this line in Hindi? Told me the line. And I was like, okay, Zach, and I went into the audition room and the audition was to literally just say that one line. So I was like, how are they going to pick someone? This whole room packed with people, right? And this was only in my, my time slot for the audition. So God knows how many people they saw the entire day. Right. And I said it twice, right? Like they fed me the line. I said my line. They're like, okay, let's do it again. Fed me the line. I said the line, this was all on camera and I left not thinking anything of it. I got a call back and the next thing you know, they call me and tell me that I got the role. And so being on set was really cool. It was like the first time when I was younger, like I got my trailer and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It was a three day shoot. I got to meet everyone from the cast and meeting Mindy Kaling growing up was a really big turnout for me. And when I was younger, there weren't a lot of Indian people. Now we're seeing a lot more. You know, we have Netflix shows. I think Mindy's really been a pioneer in that aspect. And so seeing another Exactly, yeah. And and meeting her was just like, wow, like this is so cool. Like it's kind of bad A, right? Like you're meeting another Indian woman and you look up to her and it's just like, wow, I get to play her sister. Um, and so it was just so fun. It was like a three day shoot. We got to eat, we got to dance. Like it was more fun than, than work. So it, it was an amazing experience. It's like a memory that I'll cherish forever. That's a legendary episode too, by the way. Cause I feel like every Diwali, I like watch that episode too. So it's just so funny that you turned out to be on that show and say that one line. And there never really was like an Indian episode or like something, no. you know, that they talked about, you know, Hinduism and what Diwali is, but in like a funny way. And I think a way that connects to more people than just Indian people. So I don't know, it's something that always pops up every Diwali for me. And it just, uh, yeah, it's a little embarrassing, but I also love it. <laughs> I think it's so cool that uh, Diwali is now a national holiday too, because I think yeah. this year it's like a legit national holiday. So like people are going to be start celebrating and even friends that I know that are like white and different ethnicities, they're like more like curious to know what it is. Because I think it's on the national calendar, right? So it's just one yeah, of those. Yeah, Apple Maps like brought it up and I was like, oh, I didn't know Diwali was on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it just comes up out of nowhere too now. So even Hanukkah too. Hanukkah and like other things like Veterans Day, like, you know, just things you'd forget on like with the dates, like it just come up. So 
interesting yeah. networks. Um, also, like, what's your, uh, I guess, like, your, what is something that you want to be remembered for and why? Because I feel like um, being a news reporter and, like, news personality, it's, like, impactful. So, like, I guess when it comes to this field or just, it doesn't have to be news, but just, like, what do you want to be remembered for? Because I think that's very important, right? So, I think just helping to open the door for other South Asian people to join this space. Like, I don't feel like we have enough South Asian people in journalism. And I oftentimes get a lot of messages from college students who are Indian or, you know, or they see in general. Yeah. And they're like, hey, this is something I really want to do. My parents don't support it. Do you have any advice for me? And literally any message I get on Instagram, I reply to. Like, I don't care if you're a high school student or a college student. If there is a way that I can help you, I will try to help open the door for you. You know, uh, I think that right. people are now starting to realize this is my life. This is the life that I have to live for myself. I'm going to pursue my, the career or the passion that I want to. And I think more parents are becoming more accepting of that. I think that there's still work to do, but I just, I guess I just want to be remembered for helping opening, you know, the door for other South Asian people, because we do need more South Asian, you know, women and men in, in the journalism space. And growing up, I never saw anyone that looked like me or had, you know, Patel, or any Indian last name on the news. And I remember uh, when I was interning out here in LA in college, I met Tina Patel. She works at Channel 2 and CBS. And that was like a huge turning point for me. I was like fangirling. I was like, I've never met another Indian reporter in my life, let alone someone who has my last name. And I just thought that was so freaking cool. And I still remember the day that I met her. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just want to help open the door for people to join the journalism space so I always get messages and I always answer them. If there's any way that I can help anyone that's watching that wants advice or anything, you know, message me because if I can help in any way, I will. No. And the fact that you are willing to be open and help people out, I think it makes a big impact because I feel like once you hit a certain level of status or something, I feel like people forget their roots. So I feel like yeah. for you, it's always good to just like connect with someone that's up and growing, whether it's a small channel or a big channel or like they're just, they just need advice. I feel like, anyone listening they can really benefit benefit from you just your daily habits and like the fact that you're reaching out like it'll mean a lot to them more than you realize too because they can be like hey this person reached out to me you know so and i, I think i'm still figuring things out right like i'm yeah. i just turned 26 in september i've only been in in news for three years i graduated college in 2019 so oh, really? i'm still figuring things out and so i think too. Like I was in their shoes, graduating college, trying to figure out like how to get my first job only a couple of years ago. And so I think that too kind of helps in a way when I'm, when I meet people. I think it'll speak volumes too, especially like women or guys that want to get into journalism or to get, get into the news. I mean, I could definitely throw them your way or just like show them some of your videos. And I think it'd be inspiring because like, Hey, you're Indian. You have like, uh, you know, I know your parents expect you to be a doctor or an engineer, but like the fact that hey, this is my friend Jaisha and she's doing these great things. You can do it too, you know? And I feel like it's just that mindset of doubt that's really there because not everybody has supportive parents and people that will always just like tell them like, you know, go go pursue this or, you know, pursue something that's like a little bit out of that normal, like, you know, standard Indian fields, right? Like the ones we usually aim for. Um, so I think like you're kind of like an inspiration, you know? And that's one thing like, that's kind of cool that I noticed too. I was like, wait, I never knew there was like, another person like similar to me like you know or like talking about the news or having these headlines come out so thanks for that i appreciate it and there's a lot more that you know like 
I loved Rena Nainen when she was at CBS. Um, Zoreen Shah, she works for ABC Network. Aisha Hasni, she works for Fox Network. She's Pakistani. Just like I'm, I'm starting to see more and more people, and it's just like so inspiring. Um, and so yeah, like I, I ch- I've chatted like on Instagram with um, with Aisha or you know Zoreen, and it's just so inspiring too to see people who are on the network level, right? Like I'm on local news level, but these people are on network. They're on TV every single day. And so for me, I think it's just really cool too. Cause I also have people I look up to who are just like me. So. Well, well, do you guys collaborate or anything? I don't know how, like, I know just from the news, but is it also from a content perspective? Can you guys collaborate? Like, is that allowed? I, I don't know. If I, like, I think yes, in some aspects. Um, Zoreen works for ABC network. I work for the local news station in LA for ABC. And so a lot of times, uh, because we work for the same network, um, video can be, you know, swapped and shared. Uh, But I've just, I've never uh, had the chance to meet her. She's super busy and we both have different story assignments and everything, but I hope I can run into her one day. But I don't think necessarily like it's not allowed to collab with people from like other networks or anything. I think it's just a matter of being in the same place at the same time is really hard, especially in this business when there's breaking news and all kinds of, you know, crazy things happening. So news is just like endless. It's insane. Endless. Yeah. When I was growing up in the nineties, uh, and I, I think we're around the same age, like, you know, just, I would go on Yahoo or like AOL or AIM. Yeah. And that would like be my outlet, like having like yeah. a account and like, you know, just going Yahoo or AOL. That was it. Now it's like CNN, like a big news network, BBC. There's yeah. like other things too, like, uh, you know, like all these other outlets, like Chicago Tribune, like New York times, like, you know, things like that. So, there's just so much. And it's like, once that story hits, it's like gone, you know, yeah. and then something new. Something, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, insane. that's insane. Um, what was I going to say? I, I'm like losing my train of thought here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no worries. Oh, so I also know that you make your own dresses. Is that true? I make my own dresses. That's what I have here. I don't know. Or I've like designed you, you're um, dresses, I think. Right. I've designed like two, but what I mean by that. I'm not that talented. (laughs) Like I'll tell my mom or like the tailor in India what I'm looking for. And then they'll make it off of my, like based off what I, like I'll send them pictures of things and be like, I like this, or I like this border. Like I want it in this color. And then they'll kind of create it. They're the talented ones. And then I get it. But um, yeah, I'm really into fashion as well. And especially I think as I get older, connecting more with my cultural, like Indian roots. And I feel like, being Indian wasn't that cool when we were younger, right? It was something we all got bullied for, I feel like. But as we get older, it's becoming more appreciated. And I feel like as I get older, I'm becoming more and more proud of being Indian. And one of the things that I just absolutely love is obviously like lingas and what we get to wear and all of our cultural practices. And so if I could like one day have my own Indian company, that would be amazing. I think that's like that'd a like, that'd be very far into the future. But I do love fashion and I love trying to design something that's really different. And so, uh, yeah, there's been like two or three dresses where I've like told the tailor in India, you know, this is what I want. Can you just kind of make this happen? And then they'll design it and my, and they'll send it back. But yeah, no, nothing you, too crazy. <laughs> you have a very nice like fashion sense. I'll give you that. Thank for you. Sure. I saw <laughs> pictures with you got you and the South Asian, couple of South Asian influencers. Uh-huh. I think you were like, red or something. And like, you're with like a nip and like, I think, uh, Oh, is this birthday party? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, And you know what's so funny about that dress? It was in the most random boutique in Santee Alley in downtown LA. 
Like it was the most random shop. And I walked in and I was like, I want that dress. And I tried it on. I was like, yep, I'm taking it. But it was just the most random little the small store. Or did you have to like edit any of it out or no? Like, you Sorry, got the, what was that? You got the whole dress like from just like a random shop or was it like anything you had to do edits? edits uh, it was, yeah. The, so the, the regular, it was basically how it was kept. It was just really long. It had this like really long dramatic train. And I was like, all right, I can't do this. So I did take it into a tailor to get it fixed, but that dress i just got it off the rack it was kind of like meant to be it like fit me perfectly it was my size i was like all right i'm taking it um but sometimes i do have to to change things i think just like you know with anything even american clothes when you get clothes online they just don't fit you properly and then you have to like start you know tailoring it but <laughs> that dress literally was off the rack so <laughs> you think do you think like fashion aids like mental health in any way because i feel like it like for me it builds confidence Mm -hmm. But what is your, I guess, your thoughts on that? Because I feel like presenting yourself, especially like on TV, I feel like you, you dress well, you feel well, you look well, right? So exactly. I, I completely agree with that. I feel like when you have a cuter outfit on or you feel, you know, like yeah. you look good, sometimes it just makes you a little more confident. I don't think that's, you know, all, you know, I don't think that's the main point of confidence. I think a lot of it comes from within, but something that I've just learned growing up because obviously my fashion sense has developed and I've probably worn some things that weren't that uh, cute, you know, a couple of years ago. And you know, I remember one time I wore this top and it had this like buckle on it. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And a friend was like, you're literally wearing a seatbelt. And I was, <laughs> and you know, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned to not care. If it makes me feel good, if it makes me feel confident, I'm going to wear it. Who are you to tell me it doesn't look good? And I think that goes for a lot of things in life, right? And um, I don't know. I just, I dress not a lot of Not a lot of people can pull off outlandish colors. Like I'm one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of like wearing like the, the paint jacket with like, you know, all these paint colors and stuff. And I wear it with like blue shorts and I mean, blue pants and like white, white, white air forces. So like, you know, not everyone can pull it off, but I feel like they are telling you something on it. I feel like it's probably coming from a place where like they can't pull it off. So they're probably telling you like, yeah, I feel like if who's to tell you, you can't pull it off, you know, like who are they to tell you? Like that doesn't look good on you. If it makes you feel good, wear it. Period. Exactly. Plain and simple, <laughs> right. So yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a fashion is like a big thing to me. What? So like, I was curious also about this too. I noticed that like, you covered a couple stories when it comes to like, um, like just people like shooting, sexism, racism. How do you, is that sometimes hard for you to like advocate those stories? Cause I know for me talking about certain, some of those things could be a trigger for my mental health and stuff, but like, is it easy? I mean, I'm sure it's tough, but like, how do you, uh, I guess constantly talk about that? Cause sometimes the news has really good stories, but then sometimes it can be a little like, you know, yeah. sad and disheartening stories. So like for you, I know you don't get to show too much of your emotion cause you're like the reporter, but from your, your standpoint, how do you feel when you say that those things? And I know it's tough probably, right? So. Yeah. And I feel like stories that especially involve kids or like a parent dying, those affect me a lot. And there's times where I get choked up mm -hmm. and I get emotional when I interview someone, but at the end yeah. of the day, I just like, remember, especially if it has to do with someone dying, like this is someone's family member. Like this could just be, you know, it could be my family member, you know, it's kind of putting myself in that perspective as a journalist where this isn't just another story. This isn't just another shooting. Like this was a valuable life, you know, of a person that died. And I think I, that's my approach, especially to those stories is the first thing, you know, I don't stick the camera in the mic in someone's face. It's, I first want to introduce myself and be like, hi, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I understand this is a very difficult time. I would wow. love to talk to you about your family member. 
And I know while it might be hard to talk about them, um, if I can share with the community how great of a person they were, I think that could really connect and resonate with our audience. So they get a little insight into who this person was. They're not just another person dying, right? And a lot of times these stories end up helping the families out, which I think keeps me going because a lot of times with these deaths, uh, there's a GoFundMe page to help with funeral expenses and medical expenses. And I always plug that in the story, you know, like the family is, um, you know, if you would like to help donate or money to the GoFundMe um, for this family, you know, they they would like to do a funeral. Um, you can go to this website. And I think just that kind of keeps me going that while this is a sad story in a way, in a very, very, very small way, I'm helping in some way. And hopefully they get some money to help with funeral medical expenses or they just get to share their story of their loved one. Right. Like this person was amazing. A lot of people didn't get to meet them, but this is who they were. Um, and so I think that kind of keeps me going. But as far as like my mental health outside of work, I unplug. Like when I'm off work, I'm off work. Yeah, it seems like you have a lot of fun. Like I, I see you doing all these like, I don't know what the heck you were on like two days ago. You were like on something and you're, I think, I don't know if you're working, but you were like on the LA auto shop. I was working. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck was that? Cause I, yeah, I, I, Toyota's I, one of our sponsors and, uh, they had a Paralympic section at the LA auto show, which was really cool. Um, to kind of get, you know show people how it's like to be a Paralympic athlete, and so they had this really cool exhibits, and they were like, "Hey, Jaysha, do you want to hop on this?" And I was like, "Yeah." And it was like a skiing thing, and then there was like wheelchair basketball, and I got to interview um, Elise Willoughby, who uh, is in BMX, and her husband, who's in a wheelchair, had a really bad accident a couple, I think, a couple years ago, and so we also spoke with him, and he coaches her, and so it was just a really, it was just a really cool time there because I got to kind of have fun yeah, you look like you're having a lot of fun i was like damn I yeah it. it's fun it's almost it reminds me of like a like a jet ski thing like you know like you, i don't know if you've been to jersey but there's like a artificial like snow snow thing so you oh. just like ride, ride on it and stuff so i was like wait that's cool. kind of you have some balance on there so yeah that a little bit but yeah i was wondering like what the heck is that thing it looks kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um no that's awesome is there anything uh you would want i guess uh viewers to i guess um well like your audience to know about you like what is your audience like what is like your audience uh like what kind of audience are you usually trying to target when it comes to like your career or just in general like it could be women it can be like you know just fashion uh people in the fashion industry like anybody right like who who is like your main audience i think just people around my age um you know one of my goals as a young news reporter is to attract more younger people to stay informed and to stay on top of things that are happening in their community. Um, and I think oftentimes a lot of us, um, a lot of us don't even have a news app on our phone, you know? And I think it's just really yeah. important to stay on top of what's happening around the world and what's happening where you live. And so I think my goal as a news reporter and, you know, like I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I try to find, and I'm still figuring out a balance between being a young professional, but also having a life and being fun. Because while I love my job, my job isn't my life, right? I have a lot of other interests in life. I, I'm a huge foodie. I love fashion. Um, and so I think that just connecting with younger people my age, uh, just being like, hey, I'm just like you but I'm also a news reporter and hopefully kind of drawing them into watching, especially ABC seven or wherever I work and kind of staying informed. And so even like I'm like, even our ABC seven, uh, 
our station has a TikTok page. And so we're on TikTok. Oh, wow. And so we're trying to really target people who are our parents' age, people who are my age or younger, and, and it works. And I think it's just like news is changing. It's always changing. We're always adapting. There's new apps coming out. You know, it was Vine and Snapchat, and now it's TikTok and Instagram's changing from more of like a photo platform to like a Reels video platform. And so um, I think that's just my goal is to to entice people to want to stay informed and hopefully connect with me as a young 26 year old woman. Hopefully Indian people connect with me, you know, as a young Indian person to want to be like, Oh, this is cool. Like I want to follow her and I want to, you know, watch the news or I want to watch her because representation matters. Right. And I think we were kind of touched on that earlier where a lot of us grow up, not saying people who look like us or have the same names as us. And I think that that's one of my biggest goals is just kind of be the representation that I wish I saw growing up. Do you feel like you're almost responsible for the South Asian community because you have a voice? No, I don't necessarily feel like I'm responsible. I think that I definitely, I think in general, just because of my career, kind of think twice about everything that I say or do. I think with this job comes a lot of responsibility, right? Because when you clock out of work, it's not like you just stop being a journalist. When you're a journalist, you're known as a journalist in and out of work, when you're on the street, people come up to you be like, oh, I saw your story the other day or something like that. Um, being a journalist is not just over when you leave the news station or, you know, you're the office. And so I think with that comes a lot of responsibility where I might not be able to, to do certain things or post certain things, or, you know, I think it's, it's a huge, I wouldn't say a weight on my shoulder, but it's, um, it's just something to always keep in mind in the back of my head. And at the end of the day, like I have role models, right. That are, you know, who work for a network and things like that and kind of try to emulate how they carry themselves with grace and uh, with that responsibility of being a journalist. And so it's kind of like you always have to be professional no matter where you are, what you do in and out of work. And you're killing it too. Like I saw like the most recent one where like, you know, you're talking about the elections and then I saw you. you. Yeah, yeah. No, you're doing amazing. So I think like, you know, like the energy you're putting out, you keep doing what you're doing. I think you're going to go a long way. And, you know, just having you on here is like, you know, benefit to my channel and stuff, too. So like, you. you know, I think you're, you're going to do great. And even going, you know, just doing this for three years, I can't wait to see how you're doing the next year or two, especially as, you know, just the, the personality that you are, too. And like, you're you're really a kind person. So I really appreciate that. Thank so that's you. Gonna be interesting. <laughs> um, do you like so like as like also um, as being a part of a, I guess, aside from journalism and being part of the news anchor, how is like your day-to-day schedule? Like, like, um, you know, just, you know, getting ready, putting on like, you know, being very fashionable and then like going to work, like how do you manage your time even after work too, right? Like it's probably tough not to look at your phone, not to look at like social media and stuff. Like how do you detach? Um, to answer the first part, my day is pretty crazy every single day. Like I, I'm an early morning person. Like I try to go to the gym at 6 a.m. and then I come home, shower, get ready. And I get my story assignment at eight or, you know, a little after eight. And it could be anything from like a really fun, positive story to like a really serious breaking news story. They were like, can you head out the door in like 10 minutes? And so every day is a different day. News is always ever changing. Yesterday I was on like one story assignment and then literally I'm on the morning meeting and they're like, actually, we're going to move Jaisha to another story. And then I'm like, okay gears completely changed to two very different stories. Um, but as far as, uh, what was the second part of your question? Sorry. How do you detach? Like, let's say like you're going after work, like you want to go out with friends and get happy hours. I do. You know, like, I think that's an important part of this, or for me, 
and keeping my mental health because we cover so many stories that are sad is when I'm off work, I'm off work. I'll have my work phone on me, but I'm not constantly checking my emails like I am throughout the day when I'm actually at work. Um, you know, like I meet with my friends for a drink or for some food or, you know, even just watching a show on Netflix or just relaxing, you know, just something that like kind of unplug that has nothing to do with news, I think kind of helps me stay sane sometimes, especially when there's days where it's like multiple sad stories in a row. I want to do something or watch something that has nothing to do with being sad or is like depressing or, you know what I mean? Or, or violent. Like I just want to watch a comedy show or a really bad rom-com. I want to go out for some food and a drink. You know, I think that's really important for me. Everyone has different ways they can unplug. But for me, it's just literally being off my phone. For me, it's kind of tough to unwind just because as a content creator recently, it's just like, oh, I have to have uh, new people on. So I always have to like look up like, you know, just different things about the guests and stuff like that. But then I try to also find a balance and I'm working towards it, but it's hard because even after I'm done with work, people see like, uh, like, especially in Jersey, like I'm from Jersey, they see like my stories and then they ask me about podcasting and stuff. And I'm like, it's kind of tough because I don't want to talk about this right now. But, you know, you have to talk about it, right? Because it's my passion. But sometimes like, you know, just if you've done so much of that in the whole day, I feel like I also want my mental health to be in like optimal level, like checked well. And yeah. And I agree. Like when I get messages, sometimes I'll just message back and be like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I saw your message, but I'll message you tomorrow about this and set a reminder. So that way the next day when I'm refreshed, you know, it's a new day and I'm at work and I have a couple minutes like on a lunch break or in between stories or something, you know, answer the question. And then, you know, so that way you're not like ignoring people, but at the same time, it's like, okay, this is my me time. I'll return to this tomorrow. So sometimes I find myself doing that too. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's like, it's actually pretty healthy to like, just kind of set boundaries and separate yourself from like almost, um, you know, not just getting so caught up at work. Cause especially when you have yeah. like a job that's like always on cam- on camera and just like after two, it's so easy to just be like, Oh, let me see if this story did well. Or, Oh, let me see if like this post yeah. did really well. It's, it's tough. So I, 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 I feel you on that for sure. And I think that's like a big thing content creators or just people in general right now, especially with the Instagram algorithm they're getting caught up in is like, how well is this doing? And honestly, it's just like, I started to realize, and it's just kind of like the fashion thing we talk about, like post what you want. Seriously. Who cares about, and you shouldn't be finding validation anyways through likes, right? You shouldn't be finding validation through other people. It should be for yourself. So and then there's things that I've posted that have gotten like 200 likes and I'm like, okay, like whatever. And then the next post will do like 800 likes. You know what I mean? It's just so weird. I'm just telling people like, just post what you want, post what makes you happy, wear what makes you happy, do what makes you happy. Um, I think we're, and I think people are starting to realize that it's 2022. We're about to go in 2023. I think the pandemic made us realize a lot of things, including like what truly makes us happy. And um, yeah, just don't overthink it. Just post it. I think I'm starting. I think that's something I'm working towards too. Every single day is who cares what people think. Just post it, you know? I think definitely in this era now, we're so big on tech that it's tough because every year something new comes out, like TikTok comes out or there's a new app like Be Real now. That yeah, is- I'm not on that yet. I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I can't keep it. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. I keep hearing about it, but I'm not on Be Real right now. My brother is in high school. He's 16. So he'll be like, we'll be eating dinner. He's like, get on my Be Real. And it's like, you take a picture and I'll take a picture of uh, like your forward camera. What you're doing. Uh, yeah. Which is cool like- though. I think the concept behind it 
and the name of the app is really cool because like it's be real like i think with instagram and stuff we always get caught up in like aesthetics and making things look cool and perfect and making our life our life is a highlight reel on instagram right you're not posting when you're crying and you're mad and you're sad and your mental health's not great you're not posting all that on instagram but with the be real app i kind of like the message behind it it's like what are you doing like literally in that moment even if it's just like in bed eating cheetos watching a movie be real you know so i kind of like right, right. i just haven't downloaded the app yet <laughs> oh it's so addicting i had to like get off of it because i was in chicago and every five minutes i'd be be reeling with the deep yeah. pizza, and yeah. like my friends would be like wait hold up if we take it and it would just be like such a fun time so yeah <laughs> it's, it's an interesting app and then there's another one called be fake because that's like they're trying to troll them yeah so you start being fake and just start posting lamborghinis and bugattis it's gonna be a good one so <laughs> yeah but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, just uh, with mental health too, like, do you, um, is there articles that you cover with mental health and stuff too? I'm like curious to know about that because I, I, I just like went through your stuff, but obviously I haven't been like following you for such a long time that I know yeah. that. Uh, but is there articles that you, you do cover or is it someone else? Uh, specifically pertaining to mental health or? Yes. Yes. Um, I think we've covered stories in the past about mental health. It's not a story that we're always doing, but I know like one that was, I didn't cover this, but one that was like a big thing um, was mental health officers, especially with the homeless population here, not everyone is, um, in a good place. And so like one of the big stories is, uh, recently to have people kind of force homeless people to go into care, which is kind of tricky, right? Some people are like, this is infringing on their rights. And some people are like, some of these people who are, are, you know, have mental health issues do need to be off the streets because there's been times where like recently there was a stabbing at target a homeless person uh -huh. grabbed a knife and started stabbing people and they killed the homeless person i believe but he stabbed a nine-year-old boy and um i think in some aspects yeah. people are like for and against it and so that's always something that is kind of tricky when it comes to reporting i've done a lot of stories on like the homeless population i think that's a huge topic here in socal um and then we i did a story in my old job about TikTok and how um they're trying to like ban TikTok and kind of what the parents' concerns behind it on the app and parental controls and things like that. And so I think mental health is touched on. I think we can do a better job at obviously addressing it. I also think it's a little bit of a controversial topic. And so kind of reporting on it can get tricky at times. And so- um, That's true. That's yeah. true. It's people people your angle too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because there's so many mental opinions about it and yeah. it's very subjective too, right? So mm -hmm. I think one of those things are- but yeah, the homeless population, you're right. Because I, I literally just went to SoCal recently. I was in North Tustin, I think. Okay. Um, That's not too far from, not too far from Long Beach, which is where I live. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I went on a coastline hike around that area. Oh, cool. so. so it was really nice. It was a really good area. But yeah, SoCal yeah. is a lot of homeless people, which I had no idea. Of yeah. That. And so they're trying to find ways to mitigate, you know, make people who live here feel safe, but also be courteous to people who are on the street because at the end of the day, they're human, right? And I know in Long Beach, like we have a team, the city has a team, not we, uh, that goes out and reaches out and offers, you know, assistance to people. And some people take it and some people don't, you know, whether it's a meal or a hot shower or do you need help finding housing? And so I think that's just something that's uh, can get a little controversial at times covering because uh, mental health, like you said, is just very subjective. You know, some people think one thing's right and other people think that's wrong. So. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think there's a lot of homeless population there? Because there, there were a lot of people who were like famous and they just ended up being homeless or it could like vary. 
I think it's more to do with the circumstances and like rent is just ridiculous here. And yeah. I think the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs. Right. And I think that that's how a lot of people ended up on the street. And so, um, yeah, a lot of these, well, these homeless people just can't afford to live, but can't afford to pay the rent here. And it's like, you can't afford to just pick up and go. Like a lot of us are fortunate to do, you know, buy a plane ticket and go home to our parents. A lot of people don't have family. And so yeah. everyone's circumstance is just is different. So I think it's just important to, to remember that they're human at the end of the day. We don't know their story and, and, you know, they could be struggling with some, some serious problems. No, definitely. I mean, when I used to go to the city for my job, I used to always give Dunkin' Donuts to this homeless family that were like part of the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're like the dad was a veteran and the the mom and like the kids were just like obviously part of the family. Mm -hmm. So I used to always give them Dunkin' Donuts on my way to like an Aww. internship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was such a humbling experience too. And I, yeah. you know, honestly, I didn't want to, like, I'm just talking about it because it relates, but like, yeah, just something I did on the low. So it was fun. Yeah. And I think it, I almost like felt like an instant gratification rather than making like quick money, you know? So it was. And I think that small acts like that really matter. Like there's been times, I think one time I said like, a homeless person had said, have a good day. And I looked at him and I said, you too, you have a great day. And he was like, thank you for actually responding to me and acknowledging me. And I was like, I can't imagine just like being ignored all day, every day. Like he was just being nice, right? Like have a great day. Like what is it to you to just say it back, you know? And so I don't know, that really touched me because he was just like, thank you so much for acknowledging me and actually like looking at me. And I was like, wow, you know? It's so, it's so easy to be self-centered nowadays, I feel yeah. like. Right? We have our Instagram, we have our likes, we have our, you know, cars, fashion, like like houses and stuff. But I feel like just to show that, you know, especially as a news reporter too, like you probably see it more often than not, mm -hmm. but like just seeing a lot of people that don't have much, it's tough to just kind of, like if you're in there, well, that's like, your normal life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to go back to that. So like, I don't even know how they're doing it, you know, especially with inflation and everything. A lot of people lost their jobs right now. So I, I think I, you know, I really feel for them, you know, part yeah. of me. So, but sure. yeah. So, I guess aside from just that topic, um, do you is there any three people you really look up to that you find very influential? For sure, I definitely. This is going to be corny, but like one's my mom and one's my dad. <laughs> and I know people are going to be like, "I know, huh?" Your two parents are the two top three in the top three. Grade. Yes. Um, I mean, what other kid gets to say that their parents sacrificed? I always get emotional when I talk about this, but That's like. Good sacrifice so much for them to have this career, you know, like my mom, you know, came from India, did not use a calculator, didn't know how to drive, didn't know how to speak English, learned how to speak English, ran the business. Like she was literally running everything while I was able to pursue my dreams. And my dad was with me away from his wife, you know, f dedicating like five years of his life to literally drive. I wasn't 16. You know, I couldn't drive, like driving me to my auditions and taking me to acting class and making sure I was able to keep developing my skills and it's just like crazy to me that they sacrifice so much for me and that, you know, coming from where they came from, my dad grew up in Zambia, my mom grew up in India to see the life that they built here. And I think a lot of, you know, South Asian kids can, can say that about their parents is like the hard work that they've put into literally creating the American dream is just super, super inspiring. Um, and then the third person, that's a really, really good question. Take your time. We got all day. It's all I good. Know, I'm like, this is a lot of people that I look up to, but I'm trying to think of someone. For me, that I really... for me, I've always wanted. So I've read his book, Think Like a Monk, Jay Shetty. So oh yeah, he's been in forever. Like I've all, I told this to every guest. Like when they ask me, like well, who do you look up to, like Jay Shetty, Jay Shetty. Yeah, there you go. 
That's all I did during the pandemic. Just read his book every single day. Yeah. That's a hard one. I, I, I'm trying to think of like a person that I really, really look up to on the journalism aspect. I really loved Rena Ninen. Um, she's not with CBS anymore, but I just Matt like Lowry? absolutely loved her. Sorry, who? I, I get Matt Lowry, I guess. No, no. Or... Uh, Rena, do you know? I'll look her up. I just yeah, loved her sense of reporting and she was just like so regal and um this is Rena. I don't know if you could see her. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I was just I remember the first time I saw her on TV, I was just like glued to the TV watching her and I just like just absolutely loved her. Um I also am really inspired by an anchor at my old station. His name's Darwin. And uh -huh. he is just like the best storyteller I have ever met in my entire life. The way he can take the most boring story and make it interesting is just baffling to me. The way he just like sounds like he's talking to someone. Like I really aspire to be on that level of storytelling when it comes to news because he is just so talented and so humble. He never says no. He takes like every opportunity. He anchors a morning newscast and then like literally runs out and reports a story and turns it for a later newscast. Like he's just so hardworking. And wow. uh, I consider him my mentor till this day, and I still reach out to him and get feedback from him. But he was a huge reason for my growth in my first job in Alabama. And so I I totally look up to him. He's just like super, super inspiring for me. No, storytelling is really important. I feel like if you can tell a story, you can convince anyone or, you know, sell anything that you want your, your passion about to someone else or just connect with someone, right? So I think it's so important. You should send me his link. I would love yeah. to like, see like how... He articulates himself because I'm always news. It's that. not so much about selling, but just telling the story the way it deserves to be told. And I think people forget that like news reporting is storytelling, especially with a lot of the, the stories that we report on. And so writing is a huge thing. He's just like a tremendous writer. And so I aspire to just be on that level of experience where I can tell a story like he does. No, that's awesome to hear too. And the, the fact that he can just like, you know, just say his thoughts like that. I mean, it's a skill for sure. I've, I've, yeah. I've only come around like a handful of people who could do that, but it's hard to find people who can just openly tell stories. And it takes time, right? Like he's been in this business since he was, you know, younger than me. And so I think it's just a skill you develop over time. Right, right, right. No, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, if you were in my shoes, what questions would you have asked yourself that I didn't? I don't know why this is one of the questions, but... <laughs> I don't know, I guess like any advice for someone going into this career, like I would say that um, you need to have thick skin for sure. I remember the first story I ever reported in my by myself because I'm an MMJ, which means I film and edit everything myself. The first story I ever did in my first job, um, this guy came up to me and screamed in my face. <laughs> and I remember I went back to my car. I cried, got myself together and I you know, did the story wow. and then I went home and unplugged. Um, but definitely have thick skin. Don't be afraid to go after your passions. Um, I know it's really, my circumstances were very different with how supportive my parents were. I know not everyone has that, but this is your life. You have one life to live, like do what makes you happy, do what you're passionate about. Um, I know your parents might not understand now, but I think down the line, they will understand. And so I would, oh, I would definitely you. say that. And I think that's really hard to, it's like, sounds like such a throwaway thing to say, right? Like, oh, duh. But when you're in the thick of it, I can't imagine just like, cause I, I've talked to people who are in that circumstance, right? Like where the parents are, you know, on them every single day. Why are you doing this? You should be doing this, that, that it's very, 
I can't imagine how it affects your mental health. And it's really hard to keep going, right? But I think you yeah. just, just kind of like my dad said, whatever you do, do it, be good at it, work your hardest. And I think that's just something you need to keep in your mind. And that's the goal, the end goal. Just remember that. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's how I could sum it up. <laughs> No, that's great. Great. No, that's awesome to just know from an advice perspective too, because um, definitely like, I feel like you have such a unique career and it's just, it brought me to you. So it's, I think it's so cool. Were there any like myths or anything that people thought your career is like, and you had to debunk it? Like, oh yeah. Everyone... Always, like, superstitious ones, right? Like, oh, like being a podcaster is so easy. You just talk to people. Yeah. And it's like, right? people, but think... it's not... people are literally like being a TV news and I've gotten comments like this on my personal TikTok, like being a news reporter is easy. You just have to be pretty and talk. Um, you try <laughs> going to breaking news and literally being told there's no information and turning that into one minute, 30 second hit. People think it's really glamorous. I have my camera bag here. I lift everything mm -hmm. myself. I film everything myself. I edit everything myself and I post my own web stories. This isn't like I just literally show up and talk. It is a lot of work. It's very stressful. Imagine at 8 a.m. you get a story assignment and they expect you to turn it around within a couple hours go out to the scene, drive there, find people to talk to, which is the hardest thing to do is people. I've been on easy stories like the weather where it's like, oh, it's really hot. Talk about people about the record temperatures. I mean, I will be literally go up to someone and be like, hey, can I just talk to you about the weather? And they're like, no. You know how hard it is to just talk to people? Everyone says no to you. And then right, so write tough. a story, a whole script, track it, import all of your video, edit it, write your web article, everything under deadline within a matter of like four hours. It how, is. How are you doing that? Cause even uploading a video on iMovie for me is like, you know, the, the thing takes a while for it to process, right? So how the- Yeah, it, it's very dodgy. It depends on your Wi-Fi. At home, I have great Wi-Fi. It's reliable, but I always want to send stuff like 30 minutes earlier than when it's due. Cause there's been times where it's like a snail's pace and it's just, it's not going. And you're like, I got to get this on air. You know, you got to send it to the station. And so I think there's a huge, 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 huge misconception that just being in TV news is super easy and super glamorous. Like I don't get my makeup and hair done. Like we're balling on a budget too over here and we do everything ourselves. And so it's not, it's not as glamorous as you think. It's not rosy, but it is a fulfilling career. It, it is, especially when, a story that you do actually causes change, you know? So awesome. I think that's what keeps you going. <laughs> and I guess last question, where can our viewers find you and uh, follow you too? Cause definitely I want to give you credit and like, definitely oh, I think what you're doing is great. So like, I definitely want us to also keep a friendship out of this and maybe yeah. like collab too, it'd be kind of cool and seeing how like you edit and stuff. And maybe I can show you what I do. But aside from that, like, is it, where can our viewers find you and like, um, yeah, feel free to plug anything in. We should do that fundraiser too, because I'm down and you know help help people in need. So really cool. let's see. Um, well, I'm ABC Seven Jasha on like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then I'm just I think Jasha Patel on TikTok. Um, and then if you're more interested in seeing my work as in like stories, if you just Google like ABC Seven Jasha, it'll come up um, like my bio and my profile and if you scroll down you can see my most recent stories over the past couple of weeks um so yeah Sweet. that's probably the easiest way i think i have the link in my instagram bio too so you just like click it and scroll down okay awesome and i'll definitely like you know guys just go follow her she's oh. great and <laughs> definitely uh 
yeah, just keep uh, keep in touch. And you know, thank you, thank you for coming on again. And thanks for I think you're gonna kill it. So I can't thank maybe you. have a round two. You know, I never know. So yeah, I wish you lots of success with this podcast. It's great what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. <laughs>